0: We are back. The podcast is back. I'm very pumped to introduce my guest today. I think this is going to be a great conversation, joined here by Carl Robinson. So Carl, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hey, Dave.
1: Thanks very much for the uh, for the invite. Yeah, It's wonderful to be here. Uh, for those who uh, don't recognize my voice, my name's Carl Robinson. I'm the host of the Voice Tech podcast uh, on which I've uh, interviewed for about 100, 100 experts in voice technology and uh, conversational AI. We talk about things like Alexa, Google Assistant, uh, talking to machines in general. Uh, and I'm also the co-founder CEO of Rumble Studio, uh, which is a new startup. Uh, we're building a SaaS platform that lo- allows companies to produce spoken word audio uh, easily, affordably, and consistently, which is the, the main word, um, so that they can extend their brand to audio channels, which many companies haven't done yet, uh, and ultimately acquire more leads, convert more leads.
0: Love it. That's awesome. Um, and this is very fitting too, because I'm speaking with you. You're you're based in Paris, yes? That's right. Yeah, you're the, just, uh, just outside outskirts.
1: of it? Yeah, doing this 20 minutes on the train. I live right <laughs> next to Disneyland if anyone's been there. So. Okay.
0: <laughs> very nice. Well, the reason that Future was on a bit of a hiatus was uh, I actually spent some time traveling around France. Um, I was there for about two weeks. Um, so I got to enjoy Carl's backyard and uh, you know, all the the fun that is France. And I guess my first question to you is like, how do you live over there and not get really fat from eating a ton of bread and cheese and drinking wine? Because that's (laughs) all I did for like two weeks and it was amazing.
1: It's one of the mysteries of France. Why are the French not, not fatter? I have no idea. Yeah, Seriously, sugary, fatty and uh, everything else. But yeah, I guess maybe portion sizes that are a little bit maybe more yeah. controlled. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mystery. They're not eating
0: like an entire baguette a day and eating like a block of cheese. I mean, Some the coolest thing, I loved the, the, my favorite thing was like the, you'd go into one of these grocery stores or, you know, their markets and there's just like cheese and, and charcuterie like for a euro, one euro for like a whole mm. thing of like amazing prosciutto or something like that. So we would just load up every single day, just go and get a bunch of cheese, a bunch of charcuterie, some baguettes, some wine. And it was like, okay, I'm, I'm set. <laughs> so, Why not? um, all right, well, it's so good to have you here though, because, um, we've been talking a little bit and, uh, I I've, I've known you for a little while, uh, particularly from the voice space, you know, I think we've attended some of the same shows, and and I've gotten to meet you in person, and. Um, I always have really f- admired the the uh, your ability to iterate. I think you're a really great iterator. Every single time I meet you, it seems like you're working on, uh, whether it's the project you, that you had been working on previously and you've just taken it to a whole new level where you're doing something different. And um, this whole Rumble Studio, would, the, the startup that you founded is fascinating to me. And I wanna eventually get into that, but I think what would be best for the listeners is to start from your kind of background and how, you know, maybe you could walk us through from the start with your background in IT um, and how it eventually sort of culminated into the, you know, migrating into the, the voice space and then eventually founding Rumble Studio.
1: Yeah, pleasure. Um, so I haven't always been into the voice. Um, I've always been to music and uh, definitely listened to the radio. Remember making mixtapes as a kid and things like that. So I was into audio over that kind of thing, but definitely not always into podcasts. Um, I uh, started my academic career in Manchester in the UK. Did a computer science degree. Uh, did three years working in uh, management consulting, IT consultancy uh, in in London uh, and in the North, uh, and then actually moved to China. Um, my friend had gone over there and, and convinced me that it was a great idea, and it was super cheap to live. And it was like, yeah, you know, come over start a business. So I was like, right, you know, consulting's not for me. Um, and uh, off I went I didn't really know what I was expecting and it was definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life to, to move to Asia because it gave me the freedom, financial freedom and also just the just the time to be able to explore and and try different things in my 20s which you know working in the, working in London in a fast-paced environment just just would never do. Um, and so over there I launched a couple of startups I, we first started with this translation marketplace. Uh, which uh, turned out to be a huge, big and hairy project that went on for four over four years, uh, because it was taking so long and it was probably a bit too big for for us as uh, uh, naive uh, entrepreneurs. We actually started a second project, a much smaller one, which is this iPhone app called Munch 5 a Day, which is a, a healthy eating app which allowed you to log your fruit and veg. Uh, we hired a programmer and designer uh, and that went really well. It was a much more manageable project. Um, we actually launched that on the, the Apple you know iTunes store, as it was called, uh, got a load of downloads. And then we got contacted by this American company, and actually bought it for us, bought it from us for a substantial sum. Um, and so that gave us the money to basically live in China for the next few years. We probably plowed most of that back into the hyperlingo translation marketplace, which ended up going nowhere, mm-hmm. but taught us a huge amount about how not to run a startup. Um, and then uh, eventually uh, I got a job in, um, in an American startup over there in, still in Beijing. Um, which was a, a conversational startup. So they, we used actually uh, we actually developed a chatbot for educating uh, diabetics. It was actually a remote care platform that so had um, health coach and diabetic communication, but also an education component. And that was my first introduction to to chatbots and this kind of asynchronous communication. The, the one problem with that app that we built there, which turned out not to be as effective at changing behaviour, which was the aim of the app. Was that we felt because it was text and image based only? Wouldn't it be great if it had voice? And wouldn't it be great if the this um, text and image based uh, educational chatbot would mimic more what the health coaches were doing live, which was basically taking people through a multi-turn conversation and listening to them and responding to them? Which turned out to have really good results. And so we were saying, you know, wouldn't it be great to have some voice technology in this to be able to do what what they do? Uh, and that's my that's where my you know my attention first turned to, to voice tech.
0: Yeah. I love that whole background. I mean, I think that, um, it's really interesting when you hear people that, you know, they spent this time doing things that seem like they were sort of abstract, uh, from what they're currently working on, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like with you, um, you know, you spent all this time sort of learning how to even develop apps and, uh, and then that, you know, kind of then, uh, eventually cascaded into, you know, chatbots, which then led to voice. And, um, and so I think it's really cool to hear, like when people have these, these kind of deep rooted backgrounds in all these disparate areas that all kind of culminate together Mm. into something that is, you know, like, I think a pretty beautiful thing when you get to the point to where you're like, okay, I have all this experience and I've kind of identified some of the different deficiencies that these existing experiences Mm. that I've had, like have led to, and you now realize, okay, then maybe, uh, voices is the optimal way to solve kind of this, these different issues that I've been presented with along the way. So go on. So you then you get into the the voice space. And and then how how did everything unfold once you started to then turn your attention that way?
1: Sure. So, you know, that experience at least gave me the intuition that that voice would be an effective solution to that problem. Um, I then uh, moved back to Europe, my, I met my girlfriend over there, who's, who's French. Uh, and as I was saying, before, before the show, I actually have British French nationality, so for me moving to France was super easy, especially given uh, the chaos of, of Brexit and everything. So I dodged all that, um, moved to France, did a master's degree in, in data science, which is a two-year course, and then for the, uh, the the internship at the end of that, I worked in a lab called IRCAM, which is actually a, a music and speech research lab uh, in the centre of Paris. Uh, and in that lab, I was working on voice emotion transformation. So I decided, okay, I'm going to work on voice. This is uh, around you know 2018 time uh, when Alexa and everything else was you know really going well and uh, I thought well, this, is a, this is a great field to work in. It's got a lot of practical uses. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more job opportunities in, in this field. Plus it's a field that I'm really interested in. got this experience working with chatbots in the past, so I'd love to work on voice. Um, and while working in the lab on you know building machine learning models with voice data, it also occurred to me, oh, maybe I could launch a podcast to sort of boost my profile and have an excuse to talk to all these experts that are around me, but are heads down on their on the code all the time. Being a researcher or an intern or whatever is, is a bit of a lonely bit of a lonely task you know you're there 99 of the time on your own just you and the code uh but as soon as you launch a podcast suddenly you're a, you've got an excuse to go and right. talk to everyone and you can deliver some value you know like straight straight off the bat so for me that was a that was a huge thing uh the podcast quickly became popular uh but then also quickly added a lot of work to my plate <laughs> i was spending yeah. as i'm sure you're familiar podcasts are a lot of work and i was spending my entire weekend uh, editing and promoting and publishing and doing everything else around the, the show, uh, and I, it occurred to me at some point, hmm, you know, maybe I can combine all this cool conversational AI tech that I'm talking about with these experts every day, and it's clearly getting better uh, week on week. With you know a solution to scaling my podcasting output, you know, maybe I can clone myself. To some degree maybe i can have a tool you know maybe i can find a tool first of all that can help me capture audio with less effort uh, so i looked online and there really was nothing you know a lot of the tools in podcasting are quite antiquated the stack is pretty set people have been doing the same thing for a few years um there at the time there was anchor which was uh you know as you know it's kind of a b2c podcasting platform for free and then there was uh and then descript came out a little bit later and th- these were the two the, the real innovators in the space but apart from that. Uh, there really wasn't that much around the recording side. Uh, so that's where the initial idea for Rumble Studio came from, to solve a problem that I had firsthand.
0: Which is like, I think the, usually the best solutions come from those who actually were experiencing the problem. Mm. Um, this is so similar to, I'm not sure if you've ever heard the All In podcast. Um yep. Yeah. And so David Sachs, who's on that, you know, he's the founder of uh, of Yammer, which sold to Microsoft and um, he was part of the PayPal mafia. So he's a really famous like SaaS entrepreneur. And, you know, over the course of doing that podcast, he realized that there were quite a bit of deficiencies around the production side and, you know, kind of like the, the consumption side as well. And uh, it just that really struck me with what you were saying there, because he basically said the same thing. He was like. I am a podcaster and I experienced all these issues and I mm. wanted to solve them. Now he's going about a, di- a totally different track with his company, Colin. Um, right. But I think what you're building with Rumble is, it's a totally different thing from the standpoint of solving different kinds of issues. Because I think that one of the reoccurring themes I, 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 that always goes through my mind is this idea that like, we're really in the infancy of, Audio consumption. Audio consumption tends to sort of take the form as of podcasts. Um, for those of us that are in the voice space that we're doing flash briefings, some people still are. Um, I think that's another example of the kind of audio production that has, has sort of emerged over the last few years with yes. microcasting. Um, but I fe- I often feel this this sense of you know we're at a really like early early innings of this in the same sense that you know, if you think about podcasting as or audio production as um, an actual medium, you know, kind of like an art, an art medium, if you will, it's not that far off to compare it to something like film or television. Mm -hmm. And you look at the way in which television was produced in the forties and then the fifties and the sixties, you know, it just incrementally changed. Um, Some of that was brought upon by technological advancements and, and it enabled new ways of production. But a lot of it was just the ingenuity of the creators themselves to look at it as a a form Mm. of art. And so that kind of leads me into rumble. And I want to give you a chance to really explain as you were saying there, you know, so you had been doing the voice tech podcast and you'd been doing a whole lot of putting all this time and energy into it. And you realize, like, man, I'm kind of burning myself out here to a certain extent. Uh, I'm spending too much, a disproportional amount of time on the production side. So, walk us through kind of like what you learned from that period of time and what you're trying to solve with Rumble.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you summed it up nicely. I was, I just felt like I was spending way too much time on the nuts and bolts of producing the audio. And not enough time on the things that I felt met made the show really great, which was researching the guests, coming up with some you know interesting questions, interesting angle, uh, and that kind of a thing. It you know voice tech podcast is a live podcast, I should say. Like I, asynchronous wasn't really an option at, at that point, and and I absolutely love these live conversations. And what we're doing at Rumble isn't designed to replace that in any way. It's designed to uh, you know supplement it or be an option for people who for whom that isn't uh, you know an option. So you know. I like the idea of being able to, to scale things, to be able to you know, use the, the power of the machine to be able to scale myself and be able to improve productivity as you know basically what machines are there to do. Uh, and with all this technology coming out, the conversational AI, the dialogue management, the text-to-speech, the synthetic voices, the, the new ways to consume audio like microcasts and just the general interest level in, in voice technology and, uh, and audio content, I thought this is a fantastic opportunity to actually bring something new into the market. Um, and solve some of the problems that I've currently, you know, currently experiencing. So my first thought was, if I could just build a tool that allowed me to capture audio efficiently from some of my guests, I could scale that I could maybe do some opinion canvassing, for example, and send uh, a few questions to multiple guests, put those on my show, and then ad lib around it, or, you know, add my comment, you know, that would be a, that'd be a scale up. You know, but I was thinking about it, you know, with all these technologies that, that are coming out, why not go a step further and and have this it, you know, audio dropbox turn into more of a remote conversation tool where it can be a multi-tone conversation and the, the machine is actually listening to what the, the guest is saying and responding accordingly. You know, that's the thing that really inspires me and what we talk about on the show all the time. You know, this is the vision that a lot of you know voice tech enthusiasts have is the Star Trek computer type you know thing or even right. data in Star Trek. You know, wouldn't it be great to just have a conversation with a machine about Anything you want for as long as you like, and have that conversation be super engaging and personalized to you. Wouldn't that get the best out of you? I think it absolutely would, and it wouldn't just be entertaining; it'd be useful in a business context and in a health and therapy context. I mean, the the applications of that would be uh, you know limitless. So that's the the vision that inspires me and inspires a, a lot of people. Uh, and I think you know one of the, as I, I was as I was thinking about it more and more, I thought, well, today you know chatbots and and voice you know voice assistants. They're generally there to answer questions like it's quite transactional for a start Mm -hmm. so it's not they're generally not multi-tone conversations anyway and the single transaction you have with them is that you ask a question and then it comes back to you with an answer or you ask it to do something and then it comes back to you with an action um so we you know flip that on its head and say well why not you know train a chatbot to actually ask interesting questions and then follow up with more questions where the human is there to, to speak as much as possible and then simply record that conversation. And I'm sure, you know, depending on the quality of the questions and the guest, interesting stuff will happen and we'll be able to use that as a, as a form of audio content for whatever purpose. So that's really the, the thinking behind Rumble.
0: I mean, I, so I was like kind of wrapping my head around it and I uh, you know, I was looking at your website, Rumble.studio. And, uh, you know, I know you have this new podcast and I thought it was so cool that Part of this podcast, it looks like you have a handful of interns or, yep. or young professionals, um, <laughs> all different backgrounds. Uh, and so I was listening to the, the one where it was the sixth episode of Audio Leads. That's this uh, podcast that you have within Rumble. And it was kind of like, what did you learn? And, you know, what mm-hmm. really dawned on me as I was listening to that, was, um, and I think it's important to to really frame what it is that Carl is, is building with Rumble. Um, so with a podcast like this, I'm sitting here live with Carl, and we're having a back and forth conversation. But that doesn't necessarily need to be the only way in which you can sort of glean that information. And this asynchronous format is a totally different way In which we do actually communicate, if you think about an email correspondence, that's asynchronous, you wait until you get the response back from the, you know, the person that you're corresponding with, and they do that on their own time, and they have this thoughtful response. And you think about like, okay, so how do you apply that to audio? And that's really what Rumble's doing, is they're taking this this, uh, Q&A style, and they're making it so that it's very, very easy to uh, turn a interview into something that can be done back and forth asynchronously. And I think like that really lends itself to, I think, again, it's this idea that we're in this black and white period, it feels like with podcasting, we're in the very beginning stages of it. So to think that Joe Rogan in a three and a half hour podcast format, long form is going to be like the definitive form Mm. of podcasting or future year radio, where we do these live one hour conversations, or it's, you know, a 20 minute kind of like news poppy. Here's what happened in today's news, I think is extremely limiting in terms of the creativity that's actually going to emerge. And that's what I found to be so cool about rumble is it's like, I look at this as you're enabling a totally different kind of creator. And one of the interns that you had during that episode said something really interesting, which is like, I'm not the kind of, I don't have the kind of personality that lends itself to being able to on the fly, ask these things. Like I want to have time to process what they said and then ask like a more engaging question. And I think that the same can be said for certain guests where you know, they maybe get a little nervous, and it's mm. it's a little bit challenging to really articulate what you're trying to say, especially if you don't have a lot of experience in public speaking or podcasting, and you're not really a polished speaker quite yet. So you you kind of um, repeat yourself a lot. You say a lot of filler words like um. So by giving somebody a new format, where you say, "Look, we can still have a very similar conversation." Now, granted, there are some downsides to this, and I think we can talk about the advantages of live versus asynchronous, but I do think that having this as a totally separate type of format that exists and making it really, really easy and turnkey for people so that they can just go and and they can basically issue an interview. And it's just kind of a back and forth thing where I record something, so I record my questions, and then Carl responds with his answer. And then that prompts me then to ask my next question. And before you know it, you have a 20, 30, 40-minute conversation on your hands that was all done kind of like in this turnstile manner. And I just think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to expand this whole ecosystem dramatically because it's going to bring in people that are, for whatever reason, maybe hesitant or they just don't find the current formats that exist in audio production to be that appealing to them. And I think that the more diversified the formats are that exist – the larger this ecosystem is gonna be. And I think that's gonna be a huge net positive because the more diversified that you have of creators in any given format, the more beautiful the art ultimately becomes.
1: Very well said, and I really appreciate that as well. Thank you, first of all, for having listened to our, our episode and, and gone through it and really you know absorbed it. Uh, we learned a huge amount from that first series of uh, audio leads. So I want to give a shout out to uh, Joey and Nived and Leticia and, and Emily, who've, uh, you know, all contributed and, and really drove the, the production of that show. The idea of that was it was a proof of concept to build a fully asynchronous podcast. The last episode you listened to was live, you know, as kind of a light relief to be able to, you know, shoot all the uh, the ideas and the, and the feedback uh, amongst each other. But um, yeah, it was an asynchronous podcast. We interviewed, um, we did five asynchronous episodes um, and we, we did it in the style of trying to uh, model a live Podcast, which is actually one of the things we, we've really learned um, that uh, has its pros and cons for sure. Because uh, just to let the listeners know, essentially that the way Rumble works is that you, you write some questions up front. So you write your batch of seed questions at least, might be eight to ten questions. You invite one or, or multiple guests uh, and then the guests uh, click a link in their inbox and in their own time they go in. Uh, and they they can record one or all of the answers to the questions there. The questions can be text only. They could actually be audio if you've taken the time to record them up front. They can even be synthetic voices um, like a you know, a text to speech. Um, and then when the host or the editor gets that audio back, they can reorder them. they can delete the bits they don't like, they can see the transcripts. So they don't have to listen through the whole thing. Um, add some jingles and then click merge and and that exports the the audio episode that you can then publish. Um, so the way that we did it with audio leads, um, was to send the questions, wait for the answers to come back, listen to the answers, and then add like a, an informed comment at the end of it, uh, which and then lead into the next question. So you would get this question, answer, follow-up comment, question, answer, follow-up comment type order. Um, and that's fine. And I've actually done that with, with some success on the Voice Tech Podcast. If you listen to the last five or six episodes, um, like with christian marker from uh Air reality for example uh it works really well but you know i've recorded you know about 100 podcast episodes uh unlike most of our, our users and and the interns that are producing the show. so you know when you know when they came to record their follow-up comments, sometimes the audio environment was different so there was more mm-hmm. background noise sometimes uh you know they they felt kind of fake in having to like respond yeah. in a realistic <laughs> manner they were like ha, ha, ha. oh yeah. <laughs> that's such a great point you know, but they're in a room laughing on their own you know to themselves and it's just weird. Um, and so these are the things you only really learn by doing it. You know, on paper, it sounds great. Uh, so for the season two, we're actually experimenting with a more of a narrative format where we send the questions, get the answers. But then once we look at the answers, we actually kind of uh, arrange them in more of a story flow and then add a, add a third party narration, speaking directly to the listener, as opposed to the the guest, uh, adding sound clips and stuff to support. So in a way we we kind of make a point and then the guest audio supports that with evidence, and then we move on. and. And uh so far it's it's working well, uh, but it's yet to be seen if it adds more work, because our mission at Rumble really is to make things 10 times quicker, easier, cheaper for, for, for the user.
0: But I, I think like this is as I said earlier in the conversation, like I, I've always admired the uh the fact that you're a big iterator. And this is such a good example of that, where it's mm-hmm. like, I think you're really on to something with this different kind of format. And to your point, it I think it it it's already been identified by you and your team that a lot of what makes uh, a live podcast appealing just can't really be replicated. And I think once you sort of understand that these are kind of like two entirely different formats, so you don't have the serendipity, you don't have the live candor, you don't have the laughing that, you know, spontaneously occurs throughout Mm -hmm. a conversation. However, It does lend itself to like totally other advantageous things. And so I love that idea that you just mentioned there with adding this narrator, right, where you kind of have this entirely, you know, separate entity, if you will, that's playing kind of like God's eye view over the Mm -hmm. conversation that again, it it works in that kind of format, like something like that would be so alien to this kind of format. And so, uh, I just find that to be really interesting. And, and another thought I had in my head, and it might be something that you would, uh, be open to in, in, um, future seasons of, of, um, your podcast is like, you know, the other thing this really could open the door to is a much more, um, uh, like expansive, episode that involves a lot of different perspectives so so i see this as like you know okay so you have uh this broad theme like let's just say we'll use voice tech because a lot of the people listening are familiar with that so let's say that we're talking about you know, like something really broad, like um, the NLP or something like that. And so I think that what could be fascinating is it allows for you to curate a conversation almost where, you know, so first you solicit um, Kane Sims' opinion on something, right? And then the next person that you have, um, let's say it's a Heidi Colberton or, you know, Amy Stapleton, somebody like that, where they then come in, they can see what Kane said, and then they can build off of that. So you Mm. ultimately, um, you get something that is a, a curated sort of opinion that is being built upon by multiple people that would be highly, highly challenging to do in any other format because that would in, that would basically uh, entail that you would have to get all these people on a podcast where you'd have to record them separately so and, so. and it would be hard for them to... So I think that there's a lot of power to this too where it gives you the opportunity to... Um, kind of expose people, I think, to uh, an ongoing conversation and then give them the opportunity to uh, kind of like build upon that. And I think that could lead to another really fascinating format, which again doesn't quite exist today.
1: Completely agree. Yeah. I mean, it's so flexible. So you, you describe one of these formats, which is kind of an, an iterative format. You send out the questions and you get guest after guest playing off each other. We did that once um, with VoiceMod, had the CEO and then the the product manager, I believe, um, come in and and reply and could hear the the CEO's responses. So in a way it was like they were in the same room together but they were recording separately. Um, But we're really excited about a new feature that we're actually gonna release in in September, which is this public link. So instead of having to invite specific people with their email addresses, just get a link that you can even put it on Twitter or Facebook and have as many people as you like join. And those can either join the same conversation so they can play off each other or they can each get their own copy of a conversation with the same question audio, uh, but then give their own answers. And uh, allow you to capture all this inf- this audio with you know super super quickly with very little effort. Uh, in an AMA, for example, you could have you know as a celebrity could be like yeah. ask me anything, drop your questions, or flip it like a Quora and say you know this is the question of the day, give me your answers, I'll pick the best ones, I'll merge them into an episode, and I'll put them straight back out onto social media, and in that way you can com- complete the loop and you can engage your fans, allow them to participate, and then give them really timely and uh, and well informed opinions as well. You know that your curated selection of the community opinion which again would just basically be impossible with the the tools of today
0: I love the AMA I mean I again I think that like this is what's so exciting to me is I've long held uh you know I I wrote a blog post a two-part blog post for VoiceBot um I think it was at the beginning of 2019 that was like the Cambrian explosion of of audio and Mm. um my thesis of that was basically like it's if you actually look at both on the production side and the consumption side, the building blocks that are now in place, what we're looking at is like a recipe for just a massive explosion of adoption. And so on the on the consumption side, that's kind of obvious, like you look at just look around any busy place that you're in. Now, the world's opening up a little bit again. Um Everybody has true wireless headphones in. Like, hearables really Mm -hmm. are kind of everywhere now. Uh, That wasn't a thing even four or five years ago. It's really exploded in popularity Mm -hmm. over the last few years, largely ushered in by AirPods. I've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast, so I don't need to rehash (laughs) that. Um, But, like, it it, it transcends hearables, too. It's, like, connected everything, like, from smart speakers to cars. You'd be hard-pressed to get into a car that's even 10 years old that doesn't have at least the ability to port into like Apple CarPlay or Android CarPlay. So like it's so easy now to just stream whatever audio you want, whether it be all of your Spotify or whatever uh, subscription service you use. So the consumption side is pretty obvious. And I think the production side wasn't as obvious. And I think it's becoming more obvious, which is like, again, it goes off this whole idea that once the tools become available, um, it, it it's very easy to actually think of this as like analogous to what happened with video. You look at when it was in the early 2000s, very, very hard to create video. Here we are in 2021. You can literally put up a TikTok in 10 seconds with, you know, and it, and it can have all these video effects and all this different stuff, stuff that was like kind of unimaginable, even 10, 15 years ago, it's Mm -hmm. just become so dramatically democratized. And the same thing's happening with audio production too, I think, is that we're seeing so many new tools come into the fold, whether it be Anchor or it's something like what you're building with Rumble, where ultimately we're kind of trying to get to the same thing, I think, which is making it so that it's super, super easy to facilitate uh, entirely new forms of production. And I think that it's fascinating to kind of like see what's worked well in the legacy web, if you will, like Reddit AMA is highly popular. And, and to think like, what does that look like in an audio format? Right. And I think that it's really easy to get caught in this fallacy of like, well, it will just be a podcast. Uh, and it's like, but how does that actually come to be? And I think it has to be innovation that's done on the production side to enable that and it's something like exactly what you just described where you have this sort of asynchronous platform that platform iterates 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 to the point to where you now have these public links where you can then have maybe a host and they put it out and they have all of the they solicit all of these responses to their question and then it merges together into one giant audio file and like that's what's so exciting to me is that as somebody that's coming at this from the angle of hearables and from the world of Bluetooth connected hearing aids, you know, like my big passion has always been, what do you do with a world where everybody's wearing these devices? Like, what are they going to actually use those devices for? Mm. And it's, it's, it's kind of almost like cheating to just say, well, like podcasting, but like you need to sort of break down what that actually entails. And I think this is a perfect example of that, which is to say, yes, you'll have the option to stream Joe Rogan, but it's going to go way past that. It's going to go into all these new formats. And I think that like, that's, that's what keeps going through my mind when I'm hearing you talk is like, you're on the forefront of one of these different kinds of formats. And I think that it opens the door to a lot of what we've already seen work in sort of like the legacy web, and, and it's going to audiofy it in a way. And I think that that's going to be It's going to be eye opening to a lot of people to when they start to really recognize that this is a like it's podcasting is is actually pigeonholing the medium. It's much bigger than that. It's it's audio and what audio can be. I think we have just barely tapped into how expansive this world is going to be.
1: I mean, podcasting is such a loaded word, right? When people Mm -hmm. say podcast, they think of, you know, usually two people in a basement talking to each other, you know, it's been like that (laughs) for a while, but really it was because, you know, that's what existed, you know, podcast, as people traditionally think of it, it's just on-demand audio over the internet, right? But now you can stream it you know, now there's, uh, there's microcasts, there's just so many of these, you know, different formats, these uh, varieties of, of podcasts that the word podcast doesn't really hold any meaning anymore. Is it live? Is it on demand? How long is it? How many people? Is it a human even? <laughs> like, what what <laughs> is a podcast? You know, is it read? Is it narration? Does it come from a blog post? Does it come from, who knows where it comes from? So um, I think, you know, it's, uh, it's good to, it's the only word we've got right now to describe it. Uh, but I think as the, you know, like microcast for example, these new words come on, people will start to see the audio space with a much, you know, finer grain of detail and not just lump everything into the podcast basket. A lot of it comes from the tools, like you say, you know, the more tools that come out, the more creativity can be unleashed. Uh, and video is a great example, you know, like when uh, TikTok comes out, when there's Instagram reels and now YouTube Shorts, suddenly there's this whole different type of video that people can create. And the videos they create on those are very different from the a standard YouTube video, which is also very different from the type of video that you would watch uh, at a movie theater or on your regular TV. I mean, it just the number of types of video that exist. uh, is just, you know, just dwarfs the number of types of of audio at the moment. Uh, And that's because it's been around for longer. And there are more tools, there's been more investment in it. Uh, But people are really waking up to audio now businesses and the consumers and the creators. uh, And we're just going to see a huge explosion in that. And like you said, there's just so many ways to listen to it as well. It's more, it's more worthwhile. You know, it's more worth spending time and money creating audio because there are just more potential listeners uh, in more niches uh, and all around the world as well. So this is something that I'm really excited about at Rumble is the the ability to allow uh, people to create content more cheaply and easily uh, in, you know, to serve niches that it wouldn't usually or wouldn't, hasn't been uh, up until now worth serving because the audience sizes are, are, you know, too small. Um, and the same goes for you know for different languages and and, uh, and communities around the world. I'd love the idea of people all around the world creating podcasts in all different languages, not just English, talking about really niche subjects where maybe they only get a hundred listeners, but that doesn't matter because it's super quick and easy to do this, right? Like the, if you can reduce the cost of production down to just you know an hour or two a week, it's worth it, right? It should be as simple as making a quick TikTok video or something, uh, and then you can serve the audience that you know is interested in what, you know, listening to what you've got to say.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I want to stick on businesses. I think this is a really interesting one because I think it's it's easy for us to imagine the consumer side of things, like how the end user eventually kind of winds up with this piece of content. I'm curious to get your thoughts on businesses, both kind of like how you envision brands coming into the fold, whether it be branded content that's directed at consumers. Mm. The other really interesting avenue that um, I'm really curious to get your thoughts that's kind of also running through my head right now is how do you see something like rumble being used by corporations for internal communications? Cause I see there being a lot of opportunity as to how businesses actually communicate within itself. Um, you know, I, I've been in big corporations before where we have all hands meetings and you really only get to hear the CEO or, uh, you know, kind of like the subordinates right underneath them his lieutenants um, that are, you know, kind of <laughs> like uh, you don't hear from them that often. And and usually I feel like a big reason being is that it's top down communication that is it's hindered by the size of the company. And I I see like, again, kind of building off what we were just talking about with this idea of Asynchronous and and being able to uh, kind of like add in additional voices and opinions, I feel like that could really lend itself to some businesses so just overall i'm curious to get your thoughts on that particular facet of the audio market.
1: Yeah, I've got plenty to say on that. So Rumble Studio is <laughs> is aimed at businesses, um, small to medium-sized businesses, SaaS startups, mid-sized SaaS startups, uh, and hopefully eventually the the larger companies as well, the ones that are more likely to have a, an internal podcast as well, which is what we can talk about. Um, the first concept I wanted to to perhaps introduce some of your listeners to is the audio first content funnel. Um, and this is what a lot of podcasting agencies talk about, is that audio um, being the, the most information-rich medium can serve uh, as the ground truth for all the other derivative forms of content you create. So a lot of companies these days are, are into content marketing. Content marketing is growing at I think seventeen uh, percent CAGR. It's uh, billions and billions of dollars. I think the, the latest figures are like four hundred and seventy billion going to all forms of content marketing next year. Um, so it's enormous and growing fast. Uh, but that's te- that tends to be social media, uh, emails, uh, video, these kinds of things that we're typically doing. And audio really is just getting started in in that in that you know that spend but it serves as a fantastic ground truth. Like I say, if you record the audio first, if you conduct these guest interviews with thought leaders or even your internal staff, then you can write a blog post from it. Then you can create short videos for social media from it. You can create longer pieces. You can mix and match and repurpose to create even more audio. There's all sorts of stuff you can do once you've got the information from the guest. Um, And so then the question is like, how do I most efficiently capture that audio um, and have these conversations on a consistent basis? audio in the traditional way is, is quite time-consuming to, to create. And what we find with podcasts is that there's a significant pod fade. And so although there are supposedly 2 million podcasts on the, the podcast app store, um, on, on the uh, yeah the podcast uh, directories, half of those are, um, are inactive, meaning they haven't released an episode in the last 30 days. And about half of those have seven or fewer episodes. And so there's massive attrition. There's a huge bias towards yeah. people starting podcasts with You know, all the enthusiasm and and gusto and then realizing "Mm, this is actually quite a lot of work. Are we getting the (laughs) value for it right now? Well, it's not made a lift, you know, on our sales this week. So maybe we should just put it on the back burner and come back to it later, which they never do, Uh, which is a shame, right? Because we know if you continue with podcasting or releasing audio content, it has a massive effect on sales, on educating your potential clients, building trust and um, authenticity, uh, you know, with people that uh, have just come across you. Um, and it can serve at the top top of the funnel at the uh, and at the middle of the funnel as well. so it's, it's very very useful for businesses. Um, and I would say if you can implement an audio first content funnel, then you can get the best bang for your buck from the audio that you create um, and uh, and then justify continuing producing it essentially so you don't quit. Um, you mentioned internal podcast as well. Um, internal podcast is not something that we've we've looked at um, immediately, but it's a, a number of customers uh, are doing internal podcasts for. Uh, basically, helping larger uh, enterprises produce private podcasts, so you need a password to access the feed. Um, and for that, usually they they use this uh, like a custom app, which they roll out to their employees. And the benefit of that is you can easily onboard people, um, and then you can easily offboard them as well. <laughs> uh, so if they leave the company, you can you can close off their access to what could be sensitive information on the podcast. Um, and those internal podcasts can be massively helpful for things like sales enablement when these big companies are launching new products. Uh, They need to be able to educate the workforce on what the new products are. They need to be able to convince the sales force to start selling them because the sales force have got quotas to hit uh, and they tend to stick with the the products that they know and love, and they know they can hit their quota with. So you have to give them the the, the incentive to actually sell these new products. And then you have to give them a way so they can listen to this content while they're on the go because their sales reps often they're out on the road. You know, they can't be reading long PDFs or or watching videos. So giving them a podcast is an easy way to get them up to speed and convince them to, to sell this new stuff. Um, and so, I would say, uh, if or even indeed when we do internal podcasts, we'd we'd probably want to either develop or or likely partner with one of these established private podcasting firms, like Storyboard, for example, or Fieldcast that I've just discovered, um, because they've got the whole infrastructure to be able to serve that you know the the listeners within an organisation. And we're focusing more on the uh, the content creation side.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think uh, when I think about you know. You said something really interesting at the very beginning there. You said it, it's sort of the ground truth. Um, mm-hmm. I had actually sent you over that uh, Alex Danko piece uh, that really always stands out in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I'll link this in the show, show notes. It's called, uh, you know, the audio revolution is the name of the title, but what he really kind of hones in on is um, this whole like Marshall McLuhan school of thought, which is about hot and cool media. And he talks about how. um Audio, especially when it's in your ears, like when you're listening through headphones, it represents really hot media, which basically means that it's extremely information rich, mm-hmm. um, whereas something like Twitter would be cool media, meaning that there's you got to kind of like fill in the gaps a little bit. And, and so you, you gotta have to do like context clues and cause you're limited by 240 characters. And so like with hot media, it's, it's so dense with information that it kind of like informs every single thing that the person's saying. So a good example would be like an email versus an, a, a sound clip, um, in an email, a lot of, of the actual sort of nuance of language can get lost. It's very hard to convey sarcasm, right? It's very hard to convey, um, you know, uh, all of the like subtleties of language. And what I find to be really interesting about this idea of like internal communications is, you know, I think that what we're going to see are more and more companies gravitate toward these hotter forms of media because I think that it's that ground truth that you said. I think that it gives people the opportunity to really communicate with their teams, especially in larger corporations without any context being lost. And it's, you know, so it's a, a sh- you know, maybe it's a, a weekly, instead of having an actual live meeting, it's more of an asynchronous thing where it's, but, you, you know, it's still enabling them and maybe some of their, um you know, kind of like right-hand men or women uh, to interject and say things as well. But I, I just find this to be interesting where, I see the future of communications, broadly speaking, um, finding a lot of appeal in audio again, because I think that in it and maybe video too, but I think video, the production and the, I think there's more of a consumer tax or uh, you know, like a, basically a user tax, you gotta pull out a video and you gotta watch it. Whereas with right. an audio clip, you could just be walking and listening to it. No, you know, hands-free, eyes-free. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said for that, which is like, I really could see a future where a lot of internal communications migrate in this direction, because I think that it could be found that, uh, you know, there it's just a more information rich context and things don't get lost in the shuffle. You can completely. listen to it on your own time and to your point, then it sort of becomes the, the centerpiece, which the derivatives flow from. So I just, I wanted to just kind of like throw that out there because I think that, Again, it's all about like as soon as you start to open your mind to everything being potentially made into audio, um, and again, I think it's not necessarily like it's superior in every manner. I just think that it, it it serves as an alternative that I think is going to appeal for a lot of different situations that don't seem super obvious right now.
1: It's totally true. I mean, I was going to say that that it's happening in the the meeting space as well. You mentioned meetings. There are many startups. The one that comes to mind is Yak Chat, who do yep. asynchronous audio meetings just to just take the pressure off people constantly having to attend Zoom calls, you know, getting that Zoom burnout. Uh, And there are certain meetings that can take place asynchronously. Uh, And the good thing about recording audio asynchronously because you've got it's a zero pressure environment. You've got a chance to redo the audio as much as you want. You've got a chance to think about what you're going to say, I think, as as you said before, is that it uh, increases the certainty or decreases the fear in getting something wrong. And especially in a corporate environment, you know, you're worried about losing your job or embarrassing your boss or anything uh if you can actually sort of take your time to get that audio just right before you then broadcast it whether that's on an internal podcast informing your employees your workforce or whether it's on an external podcast asking questions to guests then you've got a lot more certainty you're not you're not so fearful and therefore you're more likely to do it and keep doing it um, and get the value from it without you know risking anything Uh, i think that's a a big benefit of uh, asynchronous that that resonates with the with people in business in, in particular
0: and it fits into this new paradigm of remote work i mean i think mm. that the the yak uh those guys um their whole sort of like business thesis has really been i think more pronounced throughout the pandemic it's like this makes a lot of sense. You mm-hmm. hear people that are constantly talking about Zoom fatigue and being burnt out with the constant live meetings. Um, again, I think there's a lot to be said about like an asynchronous world and what does that asynchronous like evolution look like? And I think audio is a really integral part of it of it. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to watch unfold. Um, so as we kind of come to the the last portion of this conversation, um, I'm curious, you know, as somebody that has been at the forefront of audio innovation, uh, very tied into the voice tech space. Um, what's exciting you right now? What are some of the things that you find to be really intriguing, exciting, um, maybe on the horizon that we can come to expect and whether it be in, in the voice space, the audio space, or the intersection of the two.
1: Yeah. So, the, you know, I'm focused more on the content world now. Um, and so anything that en- enables me to create content uh, in, a, in an automated fashion and to a, a high degree of quality or to make it more interesting, either, that that really interests me. Um, so some of the dialogue models coming out, like Google Lambda, for example, when I see it having such realistic conversations with a human, that really excites me. Not just uh, operating in trans- a you know, transactional manner, but actually, Emoting and cracking little jokes and things like that. I just get super excited about that stuff. I know they're working on the successor to GPT-3. So who knows what that's going to be saying. Yeah. Uh, Facebook Blender, it just came out and open sourced it. So all of these projects just get me really excited. I mean, they look super impressive. And uh, to be honest, we're not going to try and compete by building a model of that size. But the, the fact that they're open sourcing it, in fact, there are so many of them as well, which partly leads to them more open sourcing, I think, means that we're, we as a startup will probably get our hands on one of them and be able to fine tune it for our own purposes as well. So, for example, Facebook Blender, if we can fine tune that to only ask intelligent follow up questions, for example, uh, or take elements of it to make a conversation more interesting, that is super exciting to me. Uh, what goes along with that is the, the quality of the text-to-speech voices these days. You've got Sonantic, Deep Zen, uh, Lovo, Vocal ID resemble, I mean, there's just so many. And whenever I, hear them, whenever I hear them, I'm like, wow, that's even better than the last one I heard. I just can't believe how good they sound. Right. So we're definitely looking to incorporate that into content creation as well, because I really do think that the, the day will be upon us very soon, where every brand will have its own custom voice or set of voices, even one personalized to each market segment and, and region uh, around the world, which be instantly recognizable and be like, that is the McDonald's voice. Right now, we've got the McDonald's jingle, but I don't know if I could recognize the McDonald's voice but soon, because they're releasing all these, you know, voice assistant based, you know, menu, menu systems and all that, um, that you'll want to hear McDonald's, right? <laughs> or at least the McDonald's mm-hmm. personalized to you. Uh, and I think the same that voice will then carry through to all elements of marketing, including the McDonald's podcast, uh, assuming they've, <laughs> they've got one, Right. Uh, you know what I mean? So uh, I, th- those two things work hand in hand and, and take us one step f- towards just being able to have a, a natural conversation with a machine that you actually want to have and listen to at a later date as well.
0: I like the um the note, the the mention of of like TTS and and so text to speech and speech to text I think are like another one of these things that's kind of flying under the radar a little bit but I think is going to be monumentally important to the future of mm. of like the internet because I think that this whole idea of like having the ability to make everything audible and then make everything that's audible into text is it's what you're really kind of implying there is that you're talking about two different kinds of language almost you know so you have the computer language which is text and then you have the you know and what I mean by that is obviously it's a it's a phonetic language but that it the the computer understands it so you're taking if you think of that as the computer speech and then you think of the audio speeches, like the human speech, it's what you're really saying is like, it's making it so that computers are better at understanding human speech and converting that into their language and then taking their language and converting it into human language Mm. and being, making it so that it's harder and harder to distinguish the actual genesis of it. Like, was this actually done through uh, initially, was this a, a piece of text that was then translated into audio or was this a piece of audio that was translated into text? The end result ultimately is that you have two parallel internets more or less, one that is entirely audio and one that is entirely text. And so like the obvious examples of that is like every article that you want to read, you could then listen to. And every article that, you know, or every type of piece of audio that exists could be transcribed and you could read it. And I think that like the, okay, so it's like, okay, so I could just read that. That would be great. But I think if you take it a step further, what that means is like, you then have a piece of audio that's transcribed that then could be searched upon dynamically. And then suddenly you have the whole spoken web can be made into being dynamically searched in certain ways. And that opens the door to like, then you can make Ch- it, that, I think, is the key to solving some of the discoverability stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, having a much more robust dynamic search overlaid on top of all this, I think the, the, all of that's going to be predicated on the innovation ad, that's happening within text-to-speech and speech-to-text.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned search, actually. Like, this is definitely something that I'm really excited about as well. You know, I just had a really interesting conversation uh, with the, the guys over at sounder.fm, which is a very forward thinking kind of podcast host slash audio search company. Uh, also, the guys at Audio Burst, and there's a number that are, mm-hmm. uh, are working on this kind of stuff um and what you say about the you know being able to search and and, uh solve the discoverability problem really resonates because you know right now when you do a google search often you'll get a a snippet a featured snippet or a portion from the middle of a blog post that directly answers your question i can just imagine the same thing happening in the audio world and then you know internally as well at rumble we were discussing well you know why why even listen to a whole podcast episode you know why does everything have to be an episode at a time when maybe the, the, the bit at the beginning is just bump. It's just the origin story. You don't care about that. You want to get right to the nuts and bolts. And wouldn't it be better to listen to five two-minute clips just talking about the question that you've got right now and get that range of opinions. And then you're done in 10 minutes rather than having to listen to five hour-long podcast episodes and try and pick out the bits that really interest you. And we, we were discussing the idea of like dynamically created RSS fees, for example, based on different topics that are just constantly refreshed with the snippets that address these things across all podcasts so when you actually so in that if you if that you know when that actually comes out and I'm absolutely sure that it will that completely changes the way that you think about content exactly. because it's, instead of making one episode that you know will be consumed in a standalone fashion now you're thinking about it both in that in terms of you know a standalone episode but also as a series of segments that will be consumed individually and that really affects the way that you you record the audio. And this is something I think that asynchronous can also help with is that when you record this way, it is pre-segmented and you can enable text-to-speech and all these other kind of programmatic solutions uh, and bring those to the fore.
0: Exactly. I mean, I think like, I know that's uh, a lot of what all Audio Burst is trying to solve. And I think that um, it's really interesting to think about it that way where again it goes back i think this is a kind of a perfect um bow to put on this conversation taking it full circle is like again the the there's so much innovation to be had because so much of this gets lost you know you have one great podcast episode and you know it's a challenge to even get uh, the the right people to listen to it let alone listen to the, the part that's really mm-hmm. tailored to their interest you know so there's a lot of like jobs to solve here. We have to solve a lot of work here, and there's got to be a lot of innovation that's done. But at a certain point, in the same way that like the web has evolved, like look at TikTok. TikTok's the perfect example of like the culmination of like 15, 20 years of mobile video innovation. You know, you mm-hmm. now have this feed that is so incredibly curated that it's like a drug. Like people can't right, even right, put right. it down because yeah. it's so insanely curated to your interest. And mm-hmm. I think it's, begs to reason that like we, we very well may get there with audio as well. Um, But you're going to have to have like incremental improvements that lead to that. And I think that that's going to be a lot of what's done at the underlying technology level with things like text to speech and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. speech to text, and then the ability to dynamically search on top of that, and then start to curate those things so that if I just want to basically go and listen to you know the news on the 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 apple like the new apple iphone that's going to be coming out uh i should just be able to hit a button more or less where it just feeds me like the the most widely popular clips from the past 10 most popular podcast episodes specifically talking about the iphone so it's like I, sure. I think we're it gonna get so there. simple right but <laughs> I, it <laughs> sounds so here, simple. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, so anyway, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. So interesting to get your thoughts. Um, I think you you're one of the the brightest thinkers and uh, innovators in this space. Oh, thank so, you as we as we wrap um where should people go to connect with you uh learn more about rumble um i know i'm gonna personally definitely experiment with it and see if i can fit it into everything that i'm doing i think there's definitely a place for uh some asynchronous content um to sit alongside my live content so where where can people go to connect with you and learn more about what you're building
1: yeah absolutely so uh, if you're interested in checking out the tool it's rumble.studio Uh, sign up to the newsletter rumble.studio slash newsletter and and you'll find the podcast there rumble.studio slash podcast Um, it's called audio leads if you search for it in uh, in the directories Uh, and you can also listen to my podcast uh, which is voice tech podcast or voicetechpodcast.com
0: awesome carl thank you so much for joining here today thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end and we will chat with you next time cheers